Hi, my name is Derek Schneider, and I own Visiting Angels in Wichita Falls, Texas, and Lawton, Oklahoma. This podcast is called Addressing the Elephant because I believe it is better to be proactive rather than reactive when it comes to aging well. So each episode, I'll invite someone that has a ton of experience about an issue or topic that relates to elder care, which is a topic that if you live long enough, we'll all have to face. I hope you really enjoy. I wish I found you a long time ago. We could have taken it easy, could have taken it slow. And passed our old lives like a sweet summer day, like waves on the water watching time. Okay, so hey, we're addressing the elephant here again with Sue Gross. Sue, you are my uh, first guest to have a second appearance. I'm really thrilled. <laughs> well, that's a good thing, and and um, well, in this time, it's it's a wonderful thing. Thank you. Yeah. So I've we've never recorded uh, over the interwebs like this, and so um, so or I, I haven't, and so. Um, the quality may be a little bit off, but that's okay. You know, we'll we'll adjust and we'll adapt. We are all learning new ways to communicate, and I never thought we'd do a support group virtually, but we are. So, yeah. man, um, we were talking kind of offline previously, but like uh, you guys have been a uh, affected for the last like three three weeks what what is what is alzheimer's association been doing well um it'll be three weeks ago third this thursday that our uh chief executive officer um uh had a town meeting at two o'clock that afternoon and said um effective tomorrow we will all be working from home every single employee there wow. is not an office open. They, uh, they got together with the CDC and decided um, with what was forecasted, we, the Alzheimer's Association, did not want to be the reason why the population that was going to be at the highest risk factor for this situation was out in public. For care consultation or to get material uh or to volunteer um uh so um we decided they decided to shut everyone down so from two to five two thirty to five thirty we packed up our office wow. and our laptops and monitors and files and we went home wow wow we have been functioning from our home offices since. Um, for me, as a um, as a education and and uh, family care specialist, um, so much of my work can be done over the phone. Um, yeah. it, a tremendous amount of it can. The support groups. It's been challenging with the technology, but we're getting the hang of it. Um, Starting tomorrow, April 1st, all our support groups will be virtual. We have had some who've said, hey, we only want to do phone calls. We have, so we, so the association set up special call in lines for everything we have. And um, uh, we've already had some dry runs. 
We have laughed our tushies off at some <laughs> of the stuff we have done. And you hear, oh, wait a minute, everybody disappeared. What button did I hit? Yeah, but yeah. that's okay, because we're all doing it. Yeah. You know? And these support groups are with people who have been on this journey for, for some of these caregivers for such a long time. It is a, it's a family of choice for them. So they know they're in a safe place. If they're gonna, if they're gonna goof up their technology, this is the group to do it with because yeah. we get it. That's we great. get it. That's great. So well, um, we're trying. We're we're doing everything we can to provide, to continue to provide services. You know, that's. Ex I mean, I think that's the that's the key. You know, um, how can we adapt well? And still be, um, still be the support for the most vulnerable. Um, and so that that is uh, near and dear to my heart. I know it is to yours. So you know, kind of one thing I wanted to at least like talk about uh, somewhat here is uh, about social isolation. Mm -hmm. We're 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 called to right now sheltering in place here in Wichita Falls, Texas, and. And what does that, you know, uh, what does that mean for the elderly? And what does that look like uh, to be isolated? And I just wonder if you could speak on that. Social isolation for the elderly is one of the number one, if not the number one reason for depression in the elderly. Um, and in my, this is in my experience as a geriatric therapist before I even came to work for the Alzheimer's Association. In our communities, very rural, um, Texan, there is a fine line between maintaining independence and self-isolation. Yeah. Um, and what a lot of elders don't recognize is this fierce independence is probably one of the greatest causes for their anxiety, for their depression, for um, uh, uh, their loss of friends and even family members. Um, and now we have this situation. Yeah. Um, when it comes to family caregivers, which is whom we, you and I work with. Yep. I mean, that's our job. Yep. So many of those caregivers have already been isolated because of the dementia that their loved one has. That's because right. as the disease progresses, the one with the dementia ends up self-isolating out of fear, out of confusion, out of anxiety, which means then the caregiver becomes isolated because they can't, they can't take their loved one out with them anymore. Their right. loved one doesn't want to be out of eyesight. And so the caregiver is already kind of in a, um, uh, a self-imposed you know, shelter in place. And then comes this situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sometimes I think my caregivers may be in a better position to handle this because a lot of them already have set up a support system. 
be it with us, be it with yep. the support group, be it with the church group, be it with the family group, because without that in place, they can't take care of their loved one. Yeah. So, um, yes, this is very, this is way more intense. And now our, all of our family caregivers have to worry about spreading a disease. Yeah. But no matter how we get our food, how we get our 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 drugs from the drugstore, how we get anything, there has to be there has to be a connection with another person. Yep. Yeah. I mean right. we can keep it to a minimum, um, but try explaining to an 85-year-old caregiver. That, you know, if something comes into the house from the grocery store, she's supposed to disinfect every article. She is yeah. supposed to, you know, do this. Do I mean, let's face it, you and I probably aren't doing a great job of that, let alone somebody who's already, you know, at an age where most of her contemporaries are being cared for and right. not being a caregiver. Right. Yeah. Do you have any, you know, tips, you know, what are some of the things that you guys instill in place, you know, at, um, at folks homes uh, that have Alzheimer's or dementia or just in a general geriatric population, but mainly probably in your field right now, uh, Alzheimer's or dementia that, um, if somebody, what are some of the things you, you mentioned support groups, um, what are other things and other different ways that uh, that you can maybe battle um, and combat uh, self kind of the self isolation uh, time period? Um, you know, social media has its place, but right now it is keeping people connected. Yep. The other thing is. Most of us do have family members that maybe we have not, we have expected them to reach out to us. And now may be the time when some of our people who are so isolated need to reach, be the ones who do the reaching out to make the call to a grandchild who, well, you know, you hear it, I hear it all the time, but they're so busy. We can't bother them. Right. I'm saying get you have permission right now, bother anybody you want to bother. If it means you get to have another voice talking to you, even if it's for five minutes, and ask them, would you please check with for on me on a regular basis? Yeah. Ask for help with this. You know, yeah. we're bad at asking for help. We, um, we just think we can do it ourselves. We have all these excuses, but this is a time when, for example, my age, so many, I have so many people who are caregivers. We, my husband's mother is 90 years old. She is, um, she is an unbelievable woman, but right now she is isolated. And now I'm calling, I'm asking her grandchildren to call on her. Yeah. Even if it's for five minutes. Yep. Text pictures to her. Mm -hmm. Just 
make that contact. It's, I think it, it has it to be a priority, make, right? Yeah. yeah, it could make, for us, it's, a, it's one of those things that, oh, I have to call grandma, I'm going to just tell her, blah, blah, blah. but that could be the thing that makes her day. Yeah, yeah, we have to make it a priority. And so I think, I think that's like so true. How, you know, I think for the folks that are listening and caregivers, you know, use your phone, set a calendar reminder, anything, call mom call granny 10 a.m. every other day yeah absolutely here's the other thing send a card send a letter i mean that's that's a lost art um um, getting something in the mail having something that they can prop up on their dresser or on their sink which is a visual reminder every time they walk by it this this is how we are now communicating um because but then of course you know there's there's those kids who will say so where do you buy stamps because they've never had to do it (laughs) but um um it is and it is here's the other thing i've been getting phone calls from friends who um are in their 70s and 80s and I've been checking on them, asking them, how are you getting your groceries? How are you doing this? How are you doing that? Well, I can't figure out how to order online. And then about three minutes into the discussion, she'll say, but, you know, the lady next door now is, um, works at United, and she's, um, she's the one who does the shopping for other people. I said, yeah. Well, she offered to do that, pick me up stuff. And I said, well, did you give her your list? And she said, Oh no, that would be imposing. <laughs> yeah. How true is that scenario? So no, no, I don't want to be a bother. Right. It's I mean, so we there's some there's some um we need some mind changing. We need we need to change expectations and right. Is that is that pride that is no, there or no. is it something different there? Yeah. It is, it is something different. It is the, I, I truly don't think it's as much as it is, is pride as it is literally our elders have had it ingrained in them that when, if they're asking for help, they are being a bother to other people, mm. which is so sad. You and I, you know, we're entrenched in this. Heck, I'm part of it now. Yeah. I mean, I'm in the high risk. Right category yeah. Yeah. Um, between my age and my, my heart situation. So, um, so it's, it's, it's getting them to understand, no, you are not a bother. It is an honor to be able to help you. Let us help you. Because let's face it, when we do something for someone else, there's a little bit, it makes us feel better. Totally. Totally. So it's getting, it's getting our elders to accept that this, okay, so, so maybe we just need to say, okay, you want to make me happy? Let me help you. Yeah. <laughs> About us. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. It's, it's really good insight. I mean, I, I think, you know, asking for help, um, you know, you kind of alluded to it. I, I can remember working at Starbucks and, and one of, 
they have all these different like principles and core values and whatever. Mm-hmm. And one of those, in order to, they have these things called star skills. This kind of sounds weird, but they call them star. If you want to be a star employee, one of the things you have to do is ask for help. You have to. No man is an island. No man, no employee is can do this on their own. We, you know, no one knows big. everything. Right. That's right. No one knows everything, um, and and it's not efficient to do it all your all, all by yourself, right? So, right. so if you're you know working on this side of the uh, of the restaurant and you know and you you know you glance over you're really busy you know those the scenario is like it's appropriate and it's okay to ask your coworker who is by the pastries to grab you a pastry because this person just asked for it it's not efficient for you just to walk over there right so this sort of mind it's just it, it for me it was a mind shift in terms of customer service and how to be a good employee how to right. be uh, and how to manage people. I can't do everything on my own. I have to be proactive and I have to uh, connect uh, everybody together. And I can't do that unless everybody's helping everybody. Uh, and right. but, but 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 man, when you're alone, and you, you know you, you know I'm just kind of thinking of scenarios you're just watching the cowboys and now you're you know that's all you're doing is watching the cowboys on sundays and you're watching the news over and over and you have so little things that you need to do and uh it's a it's just a real it's a real interesting thing to ask for help um yes and it's but it's the biggest probably uh the biggest saving grace uh that you can instill for yourself right right but but it's it's also very hard for most of us to do. Yeah. So um, that's the one thing. And then the other thing I would recommend everybody who's involved in this situation with a family member who is receiving care either from um, agencies like you or who have had them, who have their loved ones placed in a facility. Yeah. Your expectations have got to be altered. You cannot have the same expectation today that you had last month as far as accessibility, as far as um, uh, stimulation within the facility, as far as, I mean, everything, everything ended several weeks ago when they, when they literally locked down our facilities. Yeah. And the reason they did it was to keep the ones inside safe from the ones on the outside. That's right. I think it's a really healthy mindset change is what you said is change your expectation. I mean, oh. that's, if your we expectation can't... is something different, then your the outcome and, and your frustration will change. Oh, we can't, this is, it's just like dealing with somebody with dementia, which we are. The one with dementia cannot change. The only one who can change is the one who's caring for them. Well, put it in a bigger picture. We cannot change COVID-19. That disease has shut down our facilities. Our facilities are doing the absolute best they can for everyone in there. 
and for us to sit on the outside and and have expectations that this doesn't exist it's 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 not healthy it's not healthy for anybody um and That's very wise. and and so so we um alzheimer's has um alzheimer's has prepared all kinds of stuff for caregivers and and one of the things um you know they've asked for uh, for who are living in uh, assisted uh, uh, any type of care facility um uh, of course now some of them don't even apply because they just don't even have a choice they can't get in um but making sure that everyone understands their loved one's technical ability um i still have caregivers who um who truly believe their loved ones can use a phone yeah. and they can't and it's the phone's problem it's not so we have some we have some reality checks coming in now because now it's becoming obvious. Oh my gosh, he really can't do that because somebody was always running in and reprogramming it or showing him how to do it again, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, making sure that there is a way you can connect with your loved one. And I know in most of our facilities, we're seeing it on Facebook all the time. They are setting up Facebook, you know, messenger, they're setting up Zooms, they're setting up all these different ways to connect with the one in the facility. Now, yeah. is it gonna be every day? No, it depends on how many how many people are actually doing that and how many yep. people are in the facility. Yep. We have to be we have to be okay with that. And the other thing is, um, I got my first phone call about should I go in and take my loved one out of the facility? Hmm. And um, I knew, I've heard that this was gonna be coming because they've been hearing it down in Fort Worth and in Dallas. Yep. And so what I want to make sure that people understand is while they're in a facility, the number one thing that the caregiver has to remember is your loved one has access to healthcare immediately in a facility that's not the case if you bring them out here into the general public um there are planned activities in those facilities now they are not what you're used to seeing because they have to maintain social distancing also but i think one of the funniest things i saw was um uh, uh one of the facilities oh held bingo in the hallway hallway bingo yeah, yeah. yes hallway bingo where everyone sat in a chair in their doorway and they called bingo i mean are you going to be able to do that at home are you going to do that at home um yeah. they're getting fed on a regular basis yep. um no offense they're seeing more people let's face it yeah. in a facility they are they may be yelling they may not be touching but they are seeing more people um so those are the things i ask caregivers to think about when this thought goes through their mind and then i also ask them to think about the real reason they're doing it is it the facility or is it the caregiver yeah. is it the caregiver who's experiencing 
guilt? Is it the caregiver who's experiencing sadness and withdrawal because they can't put their hands on their loved one? And, um, and then sometimes I have to remind people that it's not about you. It's about them. What is the best care? Now, if there's neglect, if there is abuse, if there is, we're not talking about that. We're talking about an unprecedented situation with people who are already at the top of the risk ladder. Yep. So yeah, that's a that's a wild, wild time. I think it's a really great points that you made um, for facilities. Um, you know, it's something that is man what a hard thing to navigate you know oh navigating keeping someone safe and keeping normalcy you know absolutely that is how do you navigate it's a really difficult thing to navigate um that's real wise what you talked about that's great it's good stuff Um, well it's something to think about yep that's great um um you know, when we first set this schedule up, we talked that, you know, I wanted to really have a conversation about what it looked like to take, to start a conversation with, with somebody that has um, decreased their ability in order to, to drive and yep. having conversations about taking keys away. Uh-huh. And so, you know, it made me think of it again, uh, and I'd, I'd love to have your comments just a little bit. Uh, is you know is changing expectations here so you know is we can't change someone's cognitive ability to do this a disease has done something but now we have to figure out how to change expectations in regards to what they are able to do and what they're not able to do so i wonder if you can like kind of just talk through that a little bit what that looks like well Without a doubt, the driving situation is the number one issue and challenge and argument and fight. And I'm going to cut you out of my will. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Discussion or fight that that family members are going to have. So many people consider driving a birthright, and it's not. It's a privilege. And it's a privilege for which you have to have certain cognitive and motor skills. And unfortunately, those are the things that dementia attacks and takes away big time. Um, It is also the topic that no one wants to deal with. Nobody. What we recommend is the minute somebody gets the diagnosis of dementia, you have a conversation. You have a conversation that goes, we have, we even on our website, um, alz.org, we even have YouTubes. We have four YouTubes on couples having the discussion, on Mm -hmm. adult children having the discussion, how one dad, how one person goes one way, how one person goes another. We have, we, we even have a driving contract. That wow. somebody Good. could sign. But here's the thing: we we would like it to be held when in the in the beginning stage of this disease. And yeah. as you know, in our area, we don't get diagnosed real early. It's usually middle stage, and by then their their, their ability to reason is usually 
not there anymore because that's the first sure. thing that goes. So what we really, the, the, the uh, ideal situation would be have this discussion when first diagnosed and just say, and I'm just going to use dad as an example. Yep. Um, dad, if we saw that your driving skills or that you were doing something that was putting yourself or the public at risk, would you want to know? Would you want us to tell us that we're seeing things that aren't safe? Yeah. Hopefully, he answers yes. Yeah. However, generally, it's, I've been driving since I was, hey, and in parts of our rural Texas, some of these people were behind a wheel of a tractor at six and seven. You know, we still have people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they got licenses at 13. Right. And I've never had a ticket. I've never had a, yeah. yeah. Bingo, bingo. And, and so, um, so what we tell people is you're not going to have this conversation in one time period. This is going Good. to be a conversation. You, you're going you're gonna to embed that seed. Yep. You're going to come back. You're going to have other people in the family help you with this message. Mm -hmm. um, expect pushback. Expect denial. Be okay with it. Don't argue with them. Just go, we're going to talk about this later and let it drop. Yep. Um, because we do know that most of them do. It's there and it, but it's doing, it's, you know, it's going around and around and around. Um, uh, and we try to show empathy. We try to show understanding. The other thing we want to do is we don't, sometimes we'll need to bring in um, authority. For example, I have caregivers who I say, blame it on me. Tell them I told you. Yeah. I told you you couldn't drive anymore. The doctor told you you couldn't drive anymore. Yeah. Can I? No, but they don't know that. Yeah. It takes the target off of the caregiver's Caregiver. back. Mm -hmm. Can you do something even even objective like um, like a driving test? Is that even an option? You can. It wouldn't be a driving test. It would be okay. a cognitive assessment, and they're okay. done occupational therapist I see I don't I think um, uh, but let's face it I've had people who have taken away their driver's license what do they care they don't know what a driver's license <laughs> sure. Is sure 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 yeah 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 they'll look in their wallet and pull out a gift card and go I have a driver's license they That's don't right care yeah that's right, that's um, right. okay so yes you can have that but ultimately the family is responsible mm -hmm. for the one who is driving yeah and here's the issue if there is an accident there is not a lawyer or an insurance company in this country or world that isn't going to pull medical records and if there is dementia in the medical records yep insurance company is not going to cover it yeah. And you are going to get sued. Yeah. 
And one thing that uh, those with this disease are paranoid the most about is their money. Yeah. And so, you know, we've talked about the therapeutic giving in the past. We have talked about lie, 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 lie. If you have to try to get something to happen that involves the safety of you as a caregiver, the one with, and now the community. Because if dad is out there and has an accident and there is injury or death to somebody else, dad's not going to remember. The caregiver has to live with that for the rest of their life. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and, and we can, we don't want, one of the things we tell people to do is provide, have a plan for getting dad around. Don't just say, we're pulling right. your keys, we'll figure it out. Right. Um, have a plan. We've already talked to so-and-so. He's going to pick you up for your Tuesday and Friday coffee meets. Mm -hmm. we will pick you up for church. Uh, yep. Tommy's going to come in and do grocery shopping with you. Yeah, um, that's good. You know, have a plan for other, uh, for other um, method of getting them around. Um, and you talked about, you talked about the one thing you talked about, about getting a ticket. <laughs> yeah. That's when everyone thinks it's, it's, well, he never had a ticket. No, right. but there are other signs of unsafe driving. Sure. And one of them is they drive way under the speed limit, <laughs> which causes other people to have accidents. <laughs> yeah. I think, that, um, I, I think my wife thinks that I, uh, like, I'm like, I, I always drive like two miles under the speed limit. I'm like, I got nowhere to go. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> going, you know? Yeah. So we have, you know, on our website, we have signs of unsafe driving, forgetting how to locate familiar places. If your loved one cannot find it on their own and relies on somebody else to constantly give them directions, yep. or that's not safe. That's right. Um, failing to observe traffic signs because they no longer know what that big red sign on the corner means. Yeah. This disease takes away their ability to recognize colors, traffic lights, red and green. And you know, now you, they've got the, um, the shades on some of our lights. So, you know, we don't see the colors until we're literally underneath them. For someone with dementia, that's like they don't even exist. Sure. Because they can't, they can't react fast enough. Um, making slow or poor decisions in traffic, driving at an inappropriate speed, um, becoming angry or confused while driving. You know, we have road rage without dementia. Yeah. But if I've had caregivers who've said, my dad was sitting at a light and he was getting angry because the light was taking so long, so he just stepped on the gas because he wanted yeah. to go. Yeah. If it happens once, right. it's over. It's over. Yeah. Um, poor lane control, uh, errors at intersections, and when they can't make a decision, they just sit there in the middle and can't make a turn one way or the other. Confusing the brake and the gas pedals. Yeah. 
Um, uh, and forgetting the destination you're driving to during the trip. And that situation is really a major one. I had a caregiver whose mother got up at two in the morning, decided to go to Walmart, got on 287, and didn't stop till she ran out of gas on a train track in Fort Worth and was found by the police. Okay. Wow. And you know what, Derek? My mother hasn't done that yet. Yeah. You know, we hear it all the time. My mother hasn't done that yet. She's still fine. So do we wait for a crisis? And unfortunately, a lot of families do because no one wants to deal with a totally honked off yeah person who's had their keys taken away what you know what would you think about uh, you know i've had different scenarios where a, a client has been experiencing all these different things and um they they just said you know what we've tried to have conversations he's not listening all these different things and so all of a sudden Car is gone. Keys are gone. Cars are gone. It's gone. They have no, you know, no access. So there's no real like, you know, conversation. They just kind of, you know, it was a family member. So they had access to the car. So they just took it and moved it somewhere else um, to a different place, to a different family member's home. Is that healthy? Unhealthy? Uh, can you speak upon that? That is usually the last resort. Yeah. You know, we've talked about, we've talked to caregivers. I've had it, I've had these conversations um, where my mother just needs to see the car in the driveway. Okay, fine. Then as long as she sees it, because again, if there's paranoia that people are taking things from her, if she can see it, um, disable it. But you right. have but you have those individuals who are so, I'm gonna use the words obstinate, who are so determined to have their way that they'll call somebody to fix it. Sure. I've, I've had caregivers who have removed the car and taken it away and dad has called a local car dealership and had them deliver another car into his driveway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I mean, I've seen it. I've, I've heard it. You've heard <laughs> yes. it. I've, oh, I've had yeah. caregivers call me and go, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have did. to take his phone away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they are, this is, this is, if, if you take my car and my guns, but we're not going to go there right now. Yeah. If not, you take yeah, my yeah. car, I might as well be dead. I mean, yeah. you hear it. You hear it. It is so tied into their identity their livelihood but, yeah yes but think of it this way a car a vehicle is a weapon in the hands of somebody with advancing dementia yeah. it's a weapon and it is the biggest weapon they can get and because people are and and let's face it we have some people we have some people with dementia who were 
not very nice before the disease and the disease itself makes caring for them extremely challenging, extremely upsetting. There's a lot of anger. And why poke the bear? I get it. I get it. But here's a question I asked, I asked a caregiver not long ago. I said, do you allow your grandchildren in the car with your husband? And she looked at me, she went, heck no. And those weren't the words she used. Sure. And I looked at her and I said, but he's out there with everybody else's grandchildren. Yeah. He looked at me and she went, oh my God, I never thought of it that way. I said, yeah, you're letting him out there loose. And my neighbor's grandchildren could be out there. Yep. There's people out there. And he is a loose cannon. Yeah. Wow. It's a it's it's probably the most challenging, challenging issue we have besides weapons. Yeah. Man. Wow. Well, Sue, you've been great. Um, thank you now here's here's an opportunity where we can tie in both of these situations right now everybody is sheltering in place yeah dad is still driving he is not supposed to be roaming around right that's right okay so it's kind of a great time to have the car keys disappear and conversations yeah yep and when this is all over you have a practice in place of getting him around or getting supplies in or whatever and it's kind of a it's kind of a and and we can add the mayor to the list of people to blame (laughs) yeah yeah mayor s said you can't go out yeah steven said nope Sorry, it's not my it's not my rules. So sorry. Not happening, Dad. Sorry, not yeah. happening. So I mean, that sounds terrible, but it is kind of like okay, we are now being told to stay put, Dad. You're staying put, and then just make it the practice from here on in. That's great. That's great insight. <laughs> great wisdom. Thank you, Sue, for tying those two hey. big things going on right now like uh and and so man you are a breath of fresh air i appreciate it oh i don't know about that but let people know that we are here if they need somebody to talk to if they need to get into a support group i can give them the connection information they can do it from their house um um and and just to take the the number one thing for caregivers your professional caregivers at home caregivers is they have to take care of themselves that is the number one thing because their caregiving is only as good as they are and my the people i talk to all the time i've been asking them what would you recommend what is the number one thing you would recommend and every one of them said 30 minutes of being outside if it's pulling if it's walking up and down in front of the house, 30 minutes outside every day makes the difference between sanity and no sanity. Couldn't agree more. Get out. Get in out. In the sun. Get out and breathe Absolutely. something different than your 
stuffy house. You know, yeah. Turn off the yeah. news. That's <laughs> Please the turn it off. Please turn, turn off. off the news. Yeah. Unfortunately, we can only do our little bit in yeah. our little corner. And the rest of it has to evolve or take care of itself. So turn off the news. Yeah. Good. Sue, I'm a I'm a hit stop here. Yep. Um, you are the uh, greatest. Thanks so much uh, <laughs> for your insight and wisdom. I wish I found you. I wish I found you. I wish I found you. I wish I found. You.